0: Today we are wrapping up this series that we've been in for the last five weeks called How Do I? And today's how do I question I think is a pretty big one. I think it's very relevant to all of us and it's relevant throughout the year, but I think it's also especially relevant this time of year that we're in right now because it's this time of the year that uh, the media you know, outlets and all the retail world, they are trying to monetize on this issue and that's the issue of fear. And, and, and so we're answering the question today, how do I overcome fear? How do I overcome fear? Now, we're going to do something right now because this is such a heavy subject. It can be. Fear is a, a big deal in our lives. This is a, such a heavy subject. I want to do something to kind of lighten the mood and have a little fun with this to begin with. And this is something we've never done ever before. Okay? This is first time ever here at Siege Church. And we're going to play a game. Yeah. Okay, so do this for me. Everybody stand up on your feet. We're all going to participate in this. This is not like to see you know who can scare each other or anything like that, so don't be freaked out like that. We're not promoting fear. Uh, we're, we're trying to overcome fear. But here's what we're gonna do. We're, we're going to play a little trivia on some phobias. We're gonna to play a game called Name That Phobia, and there's gonna be a, a phobia up on the screen with a multiple choice, and we're gonna play on the honor system, okay? So we're gonna give you a Multiple choice in just a few seconds to make your decision on which, which thing you think that phobia is, what description it is, and then we'll reveal the answer. And then if you get the answer correct, you can remain standing. But if you get the answer wrong, you are out of the game. You must be seated, okay? All right, so let's do the first one right here. The first one is, it's pretty easy, hydrophobia. So what is it? Is it a fear of hi- fire hydrants? A fear of Aquaman? The fear of water or the fear of submarines. So uh, I'll give you just like three seconds. You've got your decision here. All right, and reveal the answer. And of course, it is fear of water. <laughs> Everyone is still re- <laughs> remaining standing. Good job. I'm glad that you guys know that. Number, number two, uh, agoraphobia. Is that a fear of sharp instruments, fear of blushing, fear of large open spaces, or fear of computers? Okay, so get, go ahead and get that answer in your mind. Three, two, one, reveal, reveal. Okay, all right, so we've got a few people that are sitting down on that one. All my worship team here. I want to know, what did you guys think it was? Blushing? Sharp instruments? Zach, what did you think? A, okay, all right. All right, Melophobia. Melophobia. Is it A, the fear of melons, B, the fear of cancer, C, the fear of women, or D, the fear of music. Melophobia. Alright, so get your answer. Three, two, one. And the answer is the fear of music. Alright, so we've got some more folks sitting down. Quite a bit on that one. Alright, even our music producer in the house. He does not have melophobia. He has melalove, or whatever that would be. All right anthrophobia. Anthrophobia. Is that A, the fear of spiders? B, the fear of people? C, the fear of ants? Or D, the fear of anthropologists? All right. You got your answer? Okay. And the answer is the fear of people. All right. We've got some more folks that had to sit down on that one. Just a few more. All right, so we've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Almost 20 people, I think. Around 20 people are still standing. This is the last one. So if you win this, then you can walk out of here today in pride and gloating and rubbing it in your neighbor's face just like Jesus would. Okay. Here it is, last one. Astrophobia. Is it a fear of the sky falling? Is it the fear of thunderstorms, the fear of astrology, or the fear of meteors or meteorites? Okay? You get your answer. Everybody good? Make your decision. And the answer is the fear of thunderstorms. Who's left standing? Who's left standing? Couple back there, couple right here, five people, good job. Give them a big hand clap! You guys know the most about fear, so remain standing, come down front. We're going to lay hands on you and pray for you now that you would be free from fear. Seriously, that, that, that was a fun game. But in all honesty, you guys, fear doesn't come around just to play games. Fear comes to consume. And if you give it the ability to, it will consume you. Fear can consume you. You know, there's a million different ways that we can be afraid, a million different phobias, all kinds of phobias that we didn't get through. But psychology, the psychology world has narrowed down all the thousands of different phobias into one of five different fears. So they have this hierarchy of fear. And it starts with this. It starts with the fear of death. The fear of death. That's something that we all know that's coming. You know, usually for, for the most of us, for the, the greater population, you know, the fear of death is not something that's like in the front of our minds all the time. We're not constantly faced with the fear of death, Death, not most of us. But from time to time, we, we think about it. From time to time, we are faced with that reality. Uh, another one of these, these fears, one of these major fears in the fear hierarchy is the fear of injury. And so, like, arachnophobia is one of those fears that fits into this category. Now, I don't know about what it's like at your house, but at my house, pretty much everybody is super freaked out by spiders in my house, except for me. I mean, I'll just tell myself a little bit here, you know, as, as the handyman of the house, there's, there's a job that I have not been keeping up well on in the latter part of the summer and into the fall, and I've not sprayed for bugs. I've not sprayed for spiders. And I promise you, probably like within the last two or three weeks, almost every day, somebody in my house is like, Dad, honey, have you sprayed for spiders? you got to spray for spiders. And they're all like deathly afraid of spiders. Anybody can identify with that? Yeah, I know. I see your Facebook. I see your <laughs> Facebook post. Some of you are scared of spiders. But, you know, this also is like, you know, you're starting to get sick. You know that you have to go to the doctor. And what do you do? You go on WebMD or you get on Google and you start Googling your symptoms, which is like the quickest way to jump to the absolute worst conclusion. You know, I I know if my kids, especially one of them, if they had just all access to WebMD or Google, it would probably go something like this. She would stub her toe. Oh, I gave away one of two of who it could be. (laughs) She's not in this room, so that'll really narrow it down. My youngest, she would stub her toe and freak out. Oh, mom, dad, my toe! If she had access to WebMD, Web I'm sure she would get on there and start, you know, uh, trying to search her symptoms. Mom, dad, I stubbed my toe and it hurts really bad. I think I have leprosy. You <laughs> don't I mean, I have leprosy. Calm down. Uh, another one of these fears is the fear of immobilization. That's like so. Like claustrophobia would fit into that. You know, the fear of of not being able to move, the fear of being paralyzed. This next one actually can be very consuming for many people, and that's the fear of isolation. And so that's the fear of like, I'm going to be forgotten. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be left out. I'm going to be left alone. And then the last one is the fear of humiliation, you know This deals directly with our ego, and it deals directly with the way that we perceive ourselves. You've probably heard that one of the top fears out there is the fear of public speaking, right? Let me just tell you, I get to do this every single week, and it is a real thing. It's a real deal, because when you stand up in front of a crowd of people, you're totally exposed. Like right now, I might not even know it, but I might have a cliffhanger. That's like one of those like, little boogers that <laughs> hang on the edge of your nostril right there. My fly might be unzipped. I don't know, but I, here I am out in front of everybody, and I'm exposed. And 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 along with that, and that's kind of funny. That's kind of kind of goofy. But like the fear of failure goes in with this. I'm afraid to fail because you think if I fail, then everybody's going to see that they're going to I'm going to be exposed as not not having not being good enough or being a fraud. And so the the fear of failure fits into the fear. Of humiliation. So we've got these five major areas in the hierarchy of fear. Fear is a much bigger deal in our lives than, than I think a lot of us think about. Uh, it's such a big deal that it's the number one command in Scripture. The number one command in Scripture is fear not. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. In fact, there are 365 verses in the Bible that deal with overcoming fear. That's how big of a deal it is. God knows that, hey, I need to make sure that my people know my command to not be afraid. You know, we tend to think of phobias uh, of things in our lives that we're afraid of. We just tend to think of like, oh, that's just something I'm afraid of because it's going to cause me harm in some way. Whether that be physical harm or emotional harm, relational harm. And and so we're, we're afraid of things in that way, but... Really, the enemy has a much more sinister plan with fear than just trying to just harm you. The enemy's tactic, the enemy's strategy with fear is to keep you from living out your God-ordained purpose. That's what he wants to do with fear. It's not just about you, but it's about what God wants to do through you. It's about the purpose that God put you on the planet. And if he can get you to walk in fear, he can keep you from walking out God's purposes in your life. Fear is on mission to get us off mission. Fear is on mission to get us off mission. Fear is the place where we come into agreement with the enemy. And time that you come into agreement with a lie you empower the liar. I'll say that again. Anytime that you come into agreement with a lie, you empower the liar. So when the Lord repeats a command as frequently as this, what he's doing is, again, he's exposing his primary tactic that the enemy uses to dislocate us from our life source. Now Satan might not be able to cut me off completely from God in the sense of my, that I have a relationship with God, but he wants to dislocate me from my usefulness. Just like you dislocate your arm and you don't have full use of your arm, that's what Satan wants to do when it comes to your purpose, when it comes to what you're supposed to do for the kingdom of God. He wants to dislocate you, make you useless. The Lord speaks to Moses' successor Joshua about fear. In three times, in three verses, this is what God said in Joshua chapter one, verse six. He says, "Be strong and of good courage." Fast forward. Only be strong and very courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Don't be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Listen, grace enables, grace empowers. So when the Lord says, "Don't be afraid," he's not—he's not going, "Hey, uh, you've really messed up this time. You've really screwed up this time. You should be ashamed of yourself. You're really blowing it." That's not what he's doing when he says, "Don't be afraid." What he's doing is he's revealing to us his power, his ability, his grace to overcome fear. It's available to us. It's within reach. When God gives a command, he empowers us to do what we previously couldn't do. That's the nature of grace. So simply having the emotion of fear, that's not, that's not sin. I think sometimes we get freaked out. And we think, oh my gosh, we've really blown it because a sinful thought came in or a sinful emotion. But just having the emotion of fear or a thought of fear is not a sin. But when we decide to embrace that fear as truth, that's when we start to miss it. There's a difference between facts and God's truth, there's a difference between what's factual and what has happened. And what the report is, there's a difference between that and what God says over the situation. You might get a bad report from the doctor. That bad report is factual. It exists. But it's not God's truth. Now listen, I'm not saying that you need to deny the facts or pretend like they don't exist. Denial is not a way to handle things. You acknowledge what the facts are But what you come into agreement with is God's truth over your situation and over your life. Amen? Some of you are like, amen? (laughs) Just say it in faith that you agree with that. Let's look at a few passages that are going to help us embrace the realities of heaven. Help us embrace God's truth. Okay? So Isaiah chapter 51. This is God speaking here, and this is what he says. I, even I, am He who comforts you. Who are you that you're afraid of man who dies like grass? Who are you that you have forgotten the Lord your Maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth that you fear continually all day long? Now you might think, you might expect God to come alongside you and just kind of, you know, put His arm around you and just, you know, give you that Sympathetic. Oh, honey, sweetheart, my son, my daughter, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. But that's not, that's not what this passage is. It's not what God's doing here in this passage. In this passage, God is standing before us and he's saying, Hey, you see how big I am? Did you forget? Do you forget who you serve? Do you forget how amazing and how awesome and how all-encompassing I am? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are that you should come into agreement with fear? Now we need to realize this, that when we embrace fear, we're embracing the inferior. When we embrace fear, we're embracing the inferior. Sometimes we need, we need that wake-up call that's not sympathetic. It's not that patronizing hug. We need, we need a wake-up call from heaven. And then we're like, oh, wait a second. You mean, you mean when I come into agreement with fear, I'm, I'm embracing the inferior? Well, I don't want to do that. I want to embrace the power and the presence of God who is here to help me in any and every situation. That's what I want to do. I want to come into agreement with God's truth. Y'all not excited enough about this. <laughs> so let's read another one. Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54, moms and dads. Those of you that aren't moms and dads yet, but you will be, take note of this. This is an incredible prayer to pray over your children. Verse thirteen says, "All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great peace or, and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established; you shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear." Now look at that again. You shall be far from oppression. Why? Because you won't be walking in fear. When we walk in fear, we walk and and invite ourselves to to walk into oppression. When when are we oppressed? Oppression happens the moment that we come into agreement with the lies of the enemy. The moment we come into agreement with the lies of the enemy is the moment that we are inviting and opening ourselves up for oppression. And when we do that, we're inviting the kingdom of darkness to come in and influence our thoughts and values and take control. When you walk in fear, you're inviting the kingdom of darkness to come in and influence your thoughts and your values and take control. You know, it can start off with something small. It can start off with something unexpected. We come into agreement with that thing, and then it begins to snowball, and then it begins to gain momentum. And before you know it, the enemy now has a tool to use in your life to oppress you, to influence you, to dislocate you to immobilize you from God's purposes in your life. It can start with an unexpected bill in the mail that you're not prepared to pay. And you start worrying about that, and you start getting anxiety about that, and you start losing sleep over that, and then before you know it, you are now buried in fear. And what happens is that after you've buried yourself in fear, you've buried yourself in worry and anxiety, you open up yourself for the forces of darkness to come in and reinforce that fear. Sometimes the fear that initially comes is not like, you know, it's not like the devils and the demons are crawling around all the time and putting fear in the hearts of everybody immediately. Sometimes we start the process ourselves. Sometimes it's we embrace fear before there's even an attack of the enemy. And then the enemy goes, "Oh, they opened the door for fear. Let's go over there." And then it becomes a much greater battle than if we had just cut our worry off at the pass much sooner in the whole process. And instead of worrying, we went to God in prayer, our God who is big, our God who is great, our God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills, our God who our hope and our trust is in. Many of us treat our fears like they're our friends. Jack Hayford said, asked this question once. He goes, How, what would you do with a friend that lies to you as much as your fears do? I wouldn't be friends with them anymore. So it's time for some of us to start unfriending fear. You gotta unfriend fear. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Philippi about fear. And not just the fear that we deal with, but he writes about another fear that exists as well, and this is actually pretty cool. And it, This will get you pumped up here, I hope. It gets me pumped up when I think about it. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. It says, "...only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel." And here it is. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them the proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. Sometimes I think we can read through a passage and we can just blow through it and go, oh, that was pretty neat. But there's things in there that we're missing. Let's read that last part again. This is really powerful. Not in any way terrified. No fear. None, zero, zilch. Not in any way is there going to be fear by your adversaries. Not in any way terrified by your adversaries. Who are our adversaries? Paul says in Ephesians 6 that our adversaries are not who we think they are. It's not people. It's not that guy at work. It's not your boss. It's not your spouse. It's not your, your kid's teacher. That's not our adversaries. Our adversaries are the forces of darkness that exist in the spiritual realm. And he says this, not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition. What is perdition? Eternal damnation. So think this through. Every single time that we overcome fear, what is broadcast over the PA of hell is impending doom. Impending doom for them. Absolute, eternal damnation for the, for the forces of darkness. The powers of darkness try to distract themselves by getting us to fear so that they don't have to think about their destiny. So every time that we overcome fear, hell has to come face to face with the fact that they are eternally doomed and there's no solution. When we overcome fear, it pronounces, it announces, and it reminds what's coming their way. It's no wonder that the powers of darkness are trying to work double time to get you into fear. Not, yes, both to, to, to dislocate you from, from from being useful in the kingdom, but also to distract them of their eternal destiny. Man, I don't know about you. That gets me excited. It gets me excited to know that when I overcome fear, I'm putting fear in the heart of my enemy. We talk a lot about fear, but we still have this question how do we overcome it? I, I think there, there's a series of other related questions that can come and help us get to the answer of the fear question. The first one is this What are you doing? What are you doing? Look at your neighbor right now and say, What are you doing? Look at the other person. say, so like, what are you doing? 1 <laughs> John chapter 4. Uh, this, is a, this is like one of the most famous passages as it comes when, when we're talking about a fear and especially love versus fear. And in verse 17, it says this. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. That's good news. Why can we have Boldness. Because as he is, because as Jesus is, so are we in this world. That's good news, you guys. There's no fear in love, but everybody say this part with me. We all know it, but perfect love casts out fear. Amen for that, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. And sometimes I think we're reading through this and all of a sudden we feel like, what is John doing here? He's like just switching gears all of a sudden. Like we're cruising down the road, 80 miles an hour, fifth gear. And then whew, all of a sudden he like throws it into first. And he says this, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? What does this, all this mean? What is he talking about here? The point is this. When we have had a spiritual experience in the unseen realm, it ought to be able to be measured in the seen realm in some way. When we have had an experience in, in the unseen realm, we ought to be able to have measured it in the unseen realm, okay? How we conduct ourselves in this natural dimension, it illustrates and exemplifies what we claim has happened In the supernatural dimension. Right? So if I say that I love God, but I don't love people, then I'm a liar. Right? That's what it says. So the scripture says that perfect love casts out fear. That word perfect, that's the Greek word telia. And that word means complete. So complete love is the kind of love that casts out fear. So John goes on this train of thought, right? Perfect love casts out fear. Complete love casts out fear. And then he continues into this train of thought and he starts talking about us loving people. So I've got to, here's, here's follow me. I've got to receive love from God and then I have to give away that love in order for it to be complete. In order for the love to be complete, I have to now give away what I've received. And it's that kind of love that casts out fear. It's not just what I experienced when I came down here for prayer. It's not just what I experienced when we were singing love came down and rescued me. And we are getting all the feels and the tingles and the presence of God, and that's good. And I'm not discounting that. I value the presence of God. But our experience in the spiritual dimension has to translate into natural dimension. It has to affect the way that we treat people. That's the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated for us in his life and at the cross. Complete, perfect love. So the question is, is what are you doing? What are you doing pertaining to the issue of fear? Scripture compels us to serve somebody. Listen, you don't need to wait for another conference. You don't need to wait for another prophetic word or someone to come and massage your ego to someone to come and, and sympathize with, you know, the tragedies that you faced. Listen, our deliverance begins when we stop magnifying our problem. When we stop being impressed with the size of our problem, that's when our deliverance begins. But J.D., you don't understand what I'm afraid of. You don't understand what happened to me. You don't understand what happened to so-and-so and in, in, in my neighborhood and, what, and in my school. And you don't under, you don't. You're making light of what's going on in this country. No, I'm not. In no way am I trying to discount your, you know, what you're afraid of. My point is, is this. Whether it's a big thing or a small thing, who wants to stay in the place of fear? Who wants to stay there? So let's get out. And one of the ways that we walk out of fear is we walk into the place of finding someone to serve, finding someone to love completely. Love perfectly. The next question we ask ourselves to help us overcome fear is this What are you thinking? Turn to your neighbor and say that. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? Listen. If I come into agreement with a lie, if I come into agreement with a lie, Then I'm fueling the lie. I'm throwing, it's like a fire, and I'm throwing gasoline on that thing. And I am empowering the liar. Now we all know that the liar is also the thief. And what does the thief do? The thief comes to kill and steal and destroy. So anytime that I'm embracing the lie, then what can I expect? Loss and destruction. It's that simple. So what are you thinking? How do I change my thinking? Start digging in to this thing right here, the word of God. Start digging into the scriptures and finding scriptures that deal with your issues. Find scriptures where God's promises are there saying, hey, this is what I've promised over your life. Go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to speak a Ramah word to me. I need you to speak a word directly to me, to my heart that lines up with what's written here. And when you get that word, when you find those scriptures, when you find those promises of God, you write them down and you th- start thinking about them and you start meditating them, med- meditating on them. Maybe you need to write it and put it on your bathroom mirror. Maybe you need to write it and put it in your car somewhere. Put it somewhere where you can see it and you start getting it in your mouth. Start declaring it. Start quoting it. You got to think about it. You got to think That way. Listen, I can't afford to have a thought in my head about me that he doesn't have in his head about me. We've got to stop entertaining anything that violates what he thinks about who we are. If you can change the way that you think, you'll be like Teflon. Fear will come and it's not going to stick. What am I doing? Glad you finally got it. <laughs> Maybe you're laughing at me, probably. that's the... with you. Yeah, okay, thank you. What am I doing? I'm loving perfectly and completely. I'm serving people. What am I thinking? I'm thinking what God thinks. If we want to overcome fear, we got to ask this next question too. What am I praying? Some of us, we're not praying anything. We're not praying anything at all. But listen, you got to have dialogue with the Lord you got to have a dialogue with the Lord. One of the things that happens when you pray is, say, you're over here in fear. Your heart, your thoughts are over here in fear. And here's the heart of God. But in the place of prayer, what you find is that you come and you pray to the Lord. And what's happening here? Oh, my goodness. So I'm coming out of fear, and my heart is coming into, the heart, into alignment with the heart of God. That's what happens in the place of prayer. He takes your situations, and in place, he gives you his truth. In the place of prayer, it's the first place where God invites us to partner with Him with what He's doing on the earth today. In the place of prayer, you come and you give Him your cares, and He gives you His confidence. In the place of prayer, you come and you, you, you give God your anxiety, and He gives you His ability. In the place of prayer, you come and give Him your worries, and He makes you a warrior. Thank you, Tim. Listen, I'm excited. Next week, we start a three-week series called Pray First. Don't miss it. Be here. Do everything you can to be here. The last question that helps us overcome fear is this. What am I saying? What am I saying? What is coming out of my mouth? Sometimes I think in the effort to be transparent and to be honest, we can be incredibly destructive with our words. God says this in Joel chapter 3. Joel chapter 3 says this, Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, everybody say it, I am strong. Say it again. I am, I am strong. Let the weak say what? I am strong. Yeah. When God says, let the weak say I am strong, he's opening up a realm of grace. He's opening up a realm of empowerment that is released the moment that you speak it. In other words, strength becomes reality when it's declared. I, I believe in being transparent. I believe in being honest. I believe if you're having a rough day, It does not offend me if you come and you say something to me about, "Hey, we can talk about it." That's great. But for some of us, it's not just about a rough day. Rough day has turned to a rough week, and then a rough month, and then a rough year, and then a rough five years. That's not. That's not a rough day. That's a rough life. So my question is: Is what are you saying? What are you saying? Here, God is telling His people in Joel three, His people that are afraid. And he's telling them, hey, this is what I want you to say about yourselves. I want you to come in agreement with what I've declared over you. Declare your strength and then watch it become your reality. I believe that some of us, some of us are only just a declaration away from victory. You're, again, you're waiting for another, another word. You're waiting for another, you know, someone else to come and lay hands on you. And God says, yes, all that's good. I've done all that. I've given you the word before. I've already given you uh, someone to come and lay hands on you and to come into agreement with you. Now it's time for you to start putting in your mouth my words. It's now time for you to start coming to agreement with what I've said over you. It's time now for you to start declaring my truth over your life. The enemy says, oh, you're strong. Uh, you, You don't seem to be so strong. You don't look strong to me. You look weak to me. I say, oh, yeah, I'm strong because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. What am I saying? I'm saying I'm not afraid. I'm saying I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I'm saying that I'm the head and not the tail, that I'm above and not beneath. I'm saying that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm saying that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm saying, devil, Jesus kicked you in the teeth. I am too. We overcome fear by walking out perfect and complete love by finding somebody to serve. We overcome fear by thinking and meditating on God's word and taking the enemy's ability away from him to control our thoughts. We overcome fear by receiving God's confidence in the place of prayer. And we overcome fear by declaring out of our mouths what God has already declared. Won't you stand with me? We're gonna end end with prayer and song. First, we're gonna pray that Holy Spirit would give us some kind of resilience on the inside of us to repel fear. Those of us that, are, that have been dealing with fear, you've been crippled by fear. Those of you that have been bondage by fear, God wants to do something right here in your heart in this moment. Your circumstance may not change right in this, at, this, at this moment. You may walk out of this theater and the circumstance, the facts might be the same as they were than when you walked in. Maybe. But what does God's truth say? Come into agreement with that. And that's what, when we pray right now, I want you to have your faith out that God's going to do something in your heart. God's going to do something in your thoughts. God's going to start doing something in your words. God's going to start doing something in your actions. God's going to start doing something in your prayer life. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, help us walk out perfect and complete love just as Jesus did, as he modeled that for us. Help us in, in, in our effort to be disciples and becoming just like our master, Jesus. Walking out this perfect and complete love. God, we come out of agreement with fearful thoughts and experiences. We come out of agreement with those. Those things that may have rooted themselves in our hearts and our thoughts. Those things that may have anchored themselves down on the inside of us, but they're not from you. And instead, we come into agreement with what you've said. God, we pray for a mighty deliverance right now in this moment, God, that anyone that is bound by fear would find freedom in the name of Jesus. We pray that they would step into freedom, step into the power of your freedom, and step out away from the power of darkness, out of the power of fear, stepping into your freedom right now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you would raise us up, your people, to be known as a people of courage, God, that we would walk boldly, just like we just read here, that on the day of judgment, that we could come boldly because as Jesus is, so are we. So God, raise us up to be people of courage and walk boldly so that when we walk in the world, we could help and we could assist others to find their great strength in you, to find their breakthrough. Use us in this way. Use us in this fashion, God. We pray these things through the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Amen. We're getting ready to sing this song, make this declaration again, that we're no longer slaves to fear, but we're children of God. And as we do, if you have an issue of fear, I want to just invite you, come down here and visit with my friends in the prayer team. They want to pray with you and agree with you that 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 chain would be broken in Jesus' name. If you've got any other issue that you want prayer for, come down and see them. If you're here today and you came in and you felt like you were far from God, you've been doing life your own way, but the Holy Spirit's awakening something in your heart. And you're like, I don't, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for God's purposes in my life. I want to give myself to be a follower of Jesus. I want to give myself to be a disciple. I want to repent of my sin and start again. Then I want to invite you also come and meet with one of my friends down here as we sing the song as we come into agreement with what God has said over our lives